It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Zach Crawley, 267. It was pretty much a chanceless innings. It was a thing of beauty. And he looks like the real deal, doesn't he? I mean, people shouldn't expect too much too soon of him. He's not going to do that every single time he plays for England. But he looks like a player who can get better, that really wants to get better. He's made a lot of sacrifices to get to where he is. He's still very young. Average 69.5 over the summer in the... uh, few tests that he played because he obviously got left out at one stage in the summer didn't he because Ben Stokes could only bat and they brought Wokes in as an all-rounder as well but he looks like a real deal Ollie Pope hasn't quite had the summer that he would have wanted but he looks something special as well I think and over the next 10 years that middle order of Crawley and Pope is going to be quite potent for England I think. Yeah, I like them both. I think well, they're both, what, 22 years old? What I like about Crawley is that he, he scores his runs quickly. He scores his runs really quickly and he imposes himself. Both of them actually impose themselves on the opposition. When you look at the good Australian side of you know the early millennium, they would score runs quickly and impose themselves on the opposition, actually put pressure on the opposition. And cricket is about that. It's about sort of, a lot of it is played in the mind where, you know, if you actually grind your opponent down, you can actually make them go very quickly. And uh, I thought Crawley did that in the 200. He, he you know, sort of, he, he said, right, I'm going to be here and I'm going to score my runs quickly. And, uh, you know, the, the Pakistan had gone in, in the head a little bit then. But I think Crawley looks really, really good. I think Pope is the nearest thing we've had to Ian Bell. I think, in fact, I think he's got potential to be better than Ian Bell, uh, which is a you know a big big call. Um, but yeah, I think he you know I think he's got real real potential, and I really like the look of both of those two guys. 
it's credit to both of them in terms of their mindset as well, isn't it? How they've fitted in and been so positive so quickly in their England careers as well. And, and probably a big tick to the ECB in terms of the pathways through, in terms of the Lions and how they identify young players as being potential England candidates for the future. They've kind of got used to that England setup and gradually made their way all the way through. I saw Zach Crawley saying that it's all he's ever wanted to do is play for England. And that's why he's paid for himself to go to India. It's why he spent two winters in Australia. It's why he moved closer to the St. Lawrence ground so he could be nearer the nets and practice harder. If you put in the hard work, it doesn't always doesn't always pay off, but in his case, it has done. I think sort of, uh, he's also part of a setup in Kent where they're, they're actually bringing through some really, really good young players. And, uh, you know, if you look at certain counties around the sort of country, you look at Essex are bringing their own guys through, Somerset are bringing their own guys through. Down at Kent, I think Paul Downson, he was much maligned when he was in the England setup. But I think at Kent, they're bringing through some really good young cricketers of their own. Sam Billings, who's homegrown, is leading them. They've got a lad called Jordan Cox, who got 200 the other week, who's uh, from, from Sandwich down on the Kent coast down there. And uh, Zach Crawley's another of that lot, and uh, you know I think I think sort of they're doing some really good work, and I think the counties. I mean, we've always been big big advocates, haven't we, Badger, of the sort of county setup. Totally. But it is it's a finishing school for the England side, and I think what Kent are doing down there is uh, is crucial. I mean, the eighteen counties, um, they're, they're going to be under massive pressure, I think, over the next few months, straight years, because. Finances are not going to be great, are they? But I think they are so important to have those tentacles out there going all the way through the country, identifying the youngsters, bringing them through, training them. Some of them will fail, some of them will succeed. But ultimately, that's how we find future England stars, isn't it? By having the 18 counties with their respective pathways through and their coaching in academies. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, if you want a five-day test match at Lords in front of 32,000 people paying £6 a pint, you've got to look at how those guys who are on the pitch actually get there in the first place. And I think that's by playing four-day county cricket. Have we seen, we're talking about Kent, have we seen the last of Joe Denley in a test shirt? He's he struggled. He's done okay. He's looked like a million dollars at times and, and not obviously occupied balls and everything. But he played the first test match. We haven't seen him since in a test shirt. And I think that's probably the end of Joe Denley against the Red Bull, isn't it? For, certainly for England. I think so, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, he hasn't done badly, but he, he sort of seems to get 30-odd and get out all the time, doesn't he? And, uh, you know, that's no good at test cricket. You've got to go on and get, as Graham Gooch said, the daddy hundreds. And, uh, you know, that's what actually hurts sides, not sort of pretty 30s. And, uh, you know, then he's not done a bad job, but he's not your answer at number three. And, I'd, you know, I'd stick with Zach Crawley for the foreseeable future because... There has been a gap there. I mean, we haven't had a decent number three since Jonathan Trott. Um, I think I tweeted after Zach Crawley's double hundred that at least that stops me having to keep mentioning Gary Balance because he may just have answered the question just there. Is Ben Stokes the best player in the world at the moment? Um, best all-rounder, yeah. Uh, although Jason Holder is uh, is ranked above him, wasn't he? Which uh, I was very surprised to see that. But Jason Holder, I thought, was... Um, very good. You know, whilst we're on the subject of England this summer, Jason Holder needs a lot of credit for the way he's leading the West Indies side at the moment. He he leads them well on the pitch, but he actually speaks very well. And the job of the West Indies skipper, when you're holding together a load of different islands and a load of different cultures and melting pots of, of sort of traditions, it's, uh, it's an extremely hard job. And not many people have done that well in recent years. But Jason Holder's above him. But going back to Ben Stokes, yeah, I think he's the best all-rounder. Um, I mean, I think sort of 
you know, you can't take much away from Virat Kohli or Steve Smith at the moment as batsmen, but uh, Ben Stokes is, is certainly up there as an all-rounder. I hope Jason Holder is remembered for coming over here, being very statesman-like, leading his team with dignity in a, in a difficult situation, rather than two bad decisions at tosses, which I think ultimately cost his side the series. And you're referring to the ICC Test All-Rounder rankings. Jason Holder is number one, 447 points. Ben Stokes is number two with 446 so there's one point between them. I don't know what that point actually means, but there is nothing between those two in terms of their uh, dominance in Test cricket. But Ben Stokes, I guess, translates across the the white ball as well, doesn't he? Which makes him probably a slightly uh, more all-round player in terms of all formats. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Jason Holder's bowling average in the last couple of years is something ridiculous, isn't it? It's something like about 12 or 13, I think, with the ball. I think that's probably what's propelled him up to the top there. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, you'd want both in your side, really, wouldn't you? You know, if you're picking an all-round side, you want both of them there. So, uh, yeah, but uh, I'd have Ben Stokes in my side every day of the week. Uh, If I was picking a World eleven at the moment, I would have both of them in there and I would have Jason Holder as my captain. I was really impressed by him. He's He's a young man who is... Got a big future once his cricket's finished as well, because he's obviously got something about him, hasn't he, as a leader of people. And he's, you know, potentially you could see him becoming West Indies Imran Khan or something, couldn't you? And going on to be quite a statesman in the, in the Caribbean. The Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Just Butler, you mentioned kind of the redemption thing. There was play, people like myself who were saying he, he's not the right pick for England as, as the wicketkeeper. Ed Smith had picked him back in 2018 off the back of a load of 50s for Mumbai Indians in the IPL. And I've got a big bee in my bonnet about picking players for Test cricket off the back of Red Bull form, not White Bull form. And that's what Ed Smith did. Everybody knows that Joss Butler is the right, uh, is a very good player. You know, when you see Chris Silverwood talking about, well, he looks fantastic in the nets. Well, he will do because he's a really good player. He knows how to hold a cricket bat. Getting the runs that he did do this summer have kind of answered a few critics and certainly quieted me down a little bit. His keeping isn't quite there. Is he the right man to carry England forward in terms of being a wicketkeeper batsman? We'll get back to Arnold's question there in terms of should Butler go to the India as a batsman or should he go to India as a wicketkeeper batsman? His problems seem to be when he's standing up against spin and in India potentially he could be doing that all day long. Yeah, he's, um, he could be crucial as well. You know, if you drop Virat Kohli on 20, he'll punish you on a flat one in Mumbai, won't he, where he'll, he'll go on and get 250. And, uh, you know, that, that could be match-defining. Take out the sort of 70 or 80 from Butler as a, with a batsman. If he drops someone on 20 and he goes on and gets 250 on a flat one in India, you know, you can, you can give your 70s and 80s all day long. But it's your wicket-keeping that counts. Um, as for keepers, I mean, I think Ben Folks is probably the next cab on the rank. Um, he's uh, He's got his... Is uh, you know pundits down in Surrey love him, don't they? They they think he's fantastic. I, I've said this on other podcasts, and I've had to have police protection from all those Surrey fans. But <laughs> I'm not even not sure that Ben Folks is the best keeper in London because I'm a John Simpson fan. But uh, I like I um, like Simpson. Simo, yep. Yeah, bizarrely, he's never been anywhere near the England setup, and I, you know, I think it's it's absolutely, you know, a very odd decision. But there are some really, really good keepers around in England, and uh, it's whether sort of they they are the proper sort of traditional gloveman wicket keepers, or whether they're batsmen that can put on the gloves a little bit. And I think there is a huge difference. 
And I think Butler and Bearstone and people like that are batsmen who, who can keep. You know, we've got to accept that if you play those guys in your side, they are going to make they're going to make mistakes and, and it depends on how crucial those mistakes are. If you go, if you take the gloves off, Joss Butler, we saw with Johnny Bairstow and I felt sorry for Johnny because he got shoved all over the order. Never quite knew from test match to test match what he was turning up to do for England and that ultimately he paid the price for that. But as soon as they took the gloves off him, then he's only looked at for his batting and then as soon as his batting goes down a little bit, then he surplus the requirements. If you take the gloves off Joss Butler, then he's going to have to rely purely on scoring runs to justify a selection. And do you think that Joss Butler is one of the top six batsmen in this country? Surely you've got a case for a Dan Lawrence or a, uh, you know, one of the other kind of young pretenders to come in who could ultimately have a long distinguished career as a batsman for England and could possibly give more with the willow than Joss Butler can do if he's just played as a batsman. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very good question. And, uh, you know, I think sort of what you were saying about the white ball and red ball stuff, I think Butler, I mean, he'd be one of the first names you have on your side in white ball cricket. But in red ball cricket, when there's three slips there, and, you know, he might look good in the nets, but there's not a third slip in the nets, no. is there, you know? So uh, it's one of those things. But I think Dan Lawrence does deserve a go. I think he's, uh, again, you know, he's been the sort of part of that Essex side who've, who've been very successful in recent years. And, uh, he, you know, he gets runs on what aren't always easy wickets down at Chelmsford either. You know, I think he, I think he's, he's worth a go at some point. As for Butler, whether he's in the top six batsmen, I think he probably just about is. But I think what, the thing about Butler is I think he adds value behind the scenes. I think he's a good, experienced man in the dressing room. And I think that's why they like him there. And uh, I think he's one of the first ones they all wheel out with the press because he speaks quite well to the press as well. But that's no uh, that's no reflection on how good a player Emily Runs he gets in the England shirt. Just a, a quick word to Dan Lawrence. Uh, all the best to you. Yeah, he obviously lost his mother and had to leave the England camp. So uh, thoughts are with him. Thoughts are with Ben Stokes as well down in New Zealand. Um, his dad's been diagnosed with brain cancer too. So love to them as well. And Ollie Pope, um, who has obviously had that dislocated shoulder, I suppose if there's going to be a time to be out of the game for four months, now is the time, isn't it? Because there's not going to be much cricket for him to play anyway in that period. So he can get himself fit and ready in, in case that India tour goes. So hopefully uh, um, he recovers and rehabilitates quickly and is back to full speed very, very soon indeed. James Bracey, Jack Leach. Um, we've seen county cricket come back. So all of their mates are starting to play for their respective counties. They've been in the bio bubble all the way through the summer. They've not played a single game. Mark Wood was obviously included, was still there towards the end of it, but at least he got a test match right at the start of the season, didn't he? So he actually had a little bit of time out there in the middle. But poor old James Bracey and Jack Leach have just been carrying drinks, being in the nets, being good team men, but never got anywhere near the middle. They'll be crying out for a bat and ball in the hand. It's been sort of a strange old summer, isn't it? And, uh, you know, are they picking up money for old rope or, or uh, you know, which which would be very nice. But I think when you're a professional sportsman, you actually want to be out there playing, don't you? You know, and uh, yeah, it, it's um, it's been a very difficult summer. Personally, I'd have gone with Jack Leach uh, to play. I'd have sort of rotated him with Beth at some point. Because I think, uh, sides with a lot of right-handers in, I think uh, a slow left arm is a lot more threatening than off spinner. We ro- rotated the, the seam bowlers, but didn't really rotate the, the spinners. But I think Donbass is obviously going to 
you know, six test matches under his belt plus whatever he had before that. He's going to be a better bowler long term for, for the experience this summer. And hopefully, I, I, I really like Don Best. I think he's got a little bit about him. He's got a little bit of steel. He's got a lot of determination. And I think he'll learn a lot from this summer if they stick with him and persevere with him. And yeah, hopefully they do. Let's get on to the hashtag Ask Badger questions then. There's been a, a number sent in. Thank you very much for doing that. Some of them relate to white ball cricket too. So obviously we've seen... Uh, some good one-day games as well this summer, and they was, will continue against Pakistan and against Australia. But the first one is, and this is a you know asking for a really long answer, and we'll we'll try and get this into a bit of a nutshell because we've already covered some of these points um, already. But Ash Turner says, first choice team in England, India, or Australia if selected next week. Now, if we name three elevens there, Ash, we're going to be here all day, and that's going to involve a lot of discussion, but. Headline responses to that, we've already mentioned Butler in India, we've already mentioned Keaton Jennings in the opening positions, but does everything else stay the same? I mean, we're possibly looking most at the bowlers there in the same department if we go to different places, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, you have to sort of pick horses for courses. I mean, we don't want to go back to 1993 and play four seamers in India where they play four spinners under Graham Gooch, you know, or anything like that. But Ben Stokes has to come back in the side, doesn't he, if we're... Uh, you know, if we are selecting sort of, uh, you know, theoretically, um, you know, Ben Stokes would have to come back into your side. And uh, then who goes? So, uh, you know, you've got to think, you know, would Crawley go up to open? Or, and would you lose one of Sibley or uh, or Burns? Or, you know, there are a hell of a lot of permutations there. And uh, I think that's one for a podcast in its own right, Badger. I'll, I'll give you my answer. I would... I love Joss Butler. He would be if if I was a T Twenty franchise owner and Joss Butler came up in the auction, he would be the first player in the world game that I would buy. White ball cricket, absolutely no debate whatsoever. In Test cricket, I just think he's not quite good enough. And I know it was a terrific 150 that he scored. Can't take that away from him. He batted really nicely, but I think that's Joss Butler operating at his very very optimum in Test cricket. And I think there's probably better options in terms of batting. I think there's better options in terms of wicket-keeping. So where does that new leave Joss Butler? Is he then going to become a squad player? Would he be happy with that? Is it a chance to actually say to the likes of Johnny Bairstow and Joss Butler, go and make a load of money in the white ball, play ODIs, play T20 internationals, win his World Cups, and let's bring in Ben Folks and James Bracey as our red ball keepers and, and take them on tour instead. I think that's that, that would be my future, if I'm honest, if, if I'm answering that question. And I know in the same way that you have to get police protection when you talk about Ben Folks, I do when I talk about Joss Butler. I know Jacob on Twitter will be sending me about 300 messages as a result of what I've just said there. That's just how I feel, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it how I feel it. And I don't think Joss Butler is quite there, even after the summer that we've just had. Let's move on to uh, some of the other questions before I do get lynched for my Joss Butler comments. <laughs> Chris Marshall joins Ash in saying, should Moen be dropped? And if he should, I mean, we're talking about white ball cricket now. And if he is dropped, who should come in to add that extra spin option in the in the one-day side? I watched Moen yesterday. I commentated on the second of the T20 internationals. And Moen came in and played a couple of extraordinarily strange shots yesterday. First one just cleared mid-off and he got away with it. Second one, straight down mid-wicket's throat from a half-hearted pull shot. And his bowling at the start of the innings as well was very, very un alley like He doesn't look in... It doesn't look like he's enjoying his cricket at the moment. He doesn't look as if he's in the, in the zone. He doesn't look as if he's at all part of that side. And that's a concern for me because Moen Ali operating on full pelt is a real weapon in one-day cricket at least. 
And at the moment, he doesn't look like he's anywhere near. His batteries are not anywhere near 100%. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, didn't, I don't think he looks happy. I didn't think Johnny Bairstow looked happy either. When he came in initially, uh, he was sort of playing some big shots and the ball was just plopping off the bat about a yard away. And I was thinking his timing looked awful. But then suddenly he got it back, you know? I think it's very, very hard. When you get dropped out of the England side to actually motivate yourself and, and come back into white ball cricket, I think it's extremely hard. And he hasn't played a lot of sort of, he hasn't played a lot of cricket this summer. Um, and I, I would stick with him. And I, I think he, he adds value in other areas. And uh, I think Moeen Ali will come good. So I'm with Moeen Ali. Adil Rashid took two wickets yesterday. Ted asks, is Adil Rashid the answer for England in India and Sri Lanka this winter? He hasn't played Red Bull yeah, cricket for some time, has he? But um, I, I said to you a few minutes ago, I don't pick players on white ball form for Red Bull cricket. Adil Rashid would be the one exception to that because Adil Rashid, to me, is the best spinner England have at their disposal in any form of the game. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's, uh, you know, he's got the variations as well. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see a leg spinner go. I mean, they, they went out of fashion massively, didn't they? From the sort of, you know, from the days of Richie Benno until, you know, maybe Abdul Qadir in the 80s. There was that gap in sort of 50s and 60s. I think uh, India had one, didn't they? But uh, you didn't see many of them around in world cricket. And they come back, Shane Warne sort of revolutionised it. You know, you had the kids then wanting to bowl leg spin. And now those kids from the 90s are sort of coming through. And I think Adil Rashid is one of those. And uh, I'd love, love, love to see England play a proper leggy in test cricket as a sole spinner. It's almost unfair to addle, though, isn't it? Because if there is, you know, if there is an increase in the volume in terms of let's get Rashid to India, Sri Lanka. If he says no, I want to play white ball cricket. That's where my future is. I see myself playing for England to win more World Cups and and going to try and get a few more T T Twenty franchise gigs. He will be vilified for turning England down. I could quite understand him turning England down because I don't think England had necessarily treated him very well in terms of Test cricket in the past with red ball contracts and talks with Yorkshire and all the rest of it. If he says yes and England lose in India, people will say, well, he's not good enough what we picked him for. He would have to take 35 wickets across the thirty across the five test matches to justify his place almost, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, but at the same time, I don't think he helped himself by saying, I only want to play white ball cricket a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, sort of, there's been a few of these guys. I know they can make a lot more money going around the world. Uh, you know, playing white ball cricket or playing T20 cricket in in other countries, but at the same time, I still think that he had a you know a, a responsibility to Yorkshire who put a lot of time and effort into him over the years, and um, you know I think that sort of turning down red ball cricket for them. Maybe it might have saved his body. Maybe he's had bad advice. I don't know. I'm not that close. I don't know him that well. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of these people who say, right, I only want to play white ball cricket. I only want to play red ball cricket. I think cricket's cricket and just get out there. Ted also asked, different squads in the red ball and the white ball. Um, it's been managed well this summer, hasn't it, in terms of the, the different formats in England have had two different squads. I can see that, Dan, being something that England use a little bit more as we go further down the line in different bio bubbles. But obviously there's going to be some players like a Joss Butler, like a Ben Stokes, like a Joe Root, who play all formats at the moment. It's going to be difficult for them to slip in between the bubbles, however you do that, to pierce the bubble and move into another one. Just generally speaking, the, the white ball, red ball kind of squads and acting as separate organiz- organisms with Paul Collingwood was coaching the white ball squad earlier on in the in the campaign against Ireland, wasn't he? That's worked quite nicely, I thought. 
It has worked nicely. And as you said earlier, you know, you, you touched on the point that we don't seem to be getting any further down the line to finding a vaccine for COVID. So I think this might be a thing of the future. But uh, yeah, it does work nicely. And the other thing to take into account is we play so much cricket these days that you are going to end up with players who play one or the other because of burnout. And uh, yeah, I think it, I think it might well be a thing of the future. The last of the hashtag Ask Badger questions on this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Thank you as well for sending those in. And it, uh, actually, there's two. There's two. I lied. Um, David Kate says, Root or Milan at number three for England in the T20s? Milan played magnificently yesterday. He's taken his, his T20 international average back up to 54 point something. Massively consistent for England in, in T20 cricket. But Root's returned to Yorkshire, got a 50 himself, and then took a couple of wickets too. And if we're looking for the replacement for Moen Ali, potentially, is Root's spin good enough to maybe cover that gap? <laughs> it's a good point, David. It's a good point, mate. Um, I'll take David Milan out to Australia for the Ashes. You know that, because I think he plays quick bowling really well. He's got 100 out there before. He got 100 in Perth uh, on a quick pitch out there. And I think he's. Uh, I think you've nicked a real good one at Yorkshire from us boys at Middlesex there, Badger. <laughs> I think you guys have, you guys have uh, plundered our pockets a little bit did, there, mate. Did you see but, his, uh, um, I didn't uh, see it live, but I saw his double 100 on the on the highlight showreel and some of his boundaries there. The balance and the power and the, the shot selection was absolutely magnificent. You know, you're talking about him coming back into test cricket. Well, he's got to be a name in the frame, in the form that he's in at the moment. He's glorious to watch. He's got a beautiful cover drive on him and uh, some of his play through the covers off the front and back is a, is an absolute joy to watch. You know, he, he's a he's an interesting character. He's he's quite a, a spiky character at times, I believe. And uh, you know, he, he sort of uh, he wants to win, and that that might be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but uh, you know, I think you've got a good one there at Yorkshire, and uh, I'd, I'd definitely pick him there. As for Joe Roo, um, no, I don't think he's, I don't think his bowling is quite good enough in, in white ball cricket at international level. But uh, you know, long long may he continue playing county cricket, Joe Roo, and long may the England players come back and start playing for their counties again. Absolutely, totally agree with that, and it's uh, it's always good for county fans as well. Whether even if it is on a streaming service rather than actually in the ground to see some of the bigger names coming back to play for their counties because they that's where they started and that's where they uh, they should always come back to. I'm a big fan of it. You know, send them off for a Gillette Cup game on a Wednesday after a Test match. Send them off to Cumberland for a Nat West game or whatever. You know, but uh, no, no, I I love seeing them play for their counties, and uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, I think if we're gonna Build county cricket back up again. I would love to see these guys actually start playing county cricket again. And I don't see any reason why they shouldn't. I know they sort of, we talk about burnout and stuff like that, but I think, uh, I think it would be really good for county cricket if these guys played a little bit more for their counties. Totally agree. I've got a theory that we talk about the bubbles and the... I think England should put a limit on how many formats an international should play. Just purely for to stop burnout and to allow them a little bit of time away from the game, maybe to go back to county cricket if they want to. But if you say you can only play two out of the three formats, so somebody can play test cricket and ODIs or somebody can play ODIs and T20s max, then it gives them a little bit of time off in the winter. It gives them a little bit of time off in the summer where they can go back to the counties. And I don't think the, the actual teams would necessarily lose too much as a result of that. It uh, maybe just manages players a little bit more in a time wherever the next two or three years, they're going to be absolutely caned if we're not careful. Yeah, I think also um, the other thing to take into account as well, in recent years, the first test of a series, yeah, and we saw it with the West Indies, we lost against the West Indies, 
And when we've gone away, we England seem to get caught cold. It's like as if their preparation isn't quite good enough. And I think if they played like a little bit of county cricket in sort of May, I don't think that'd be a bad thing. I think for the batsmen, perhaps only, you don't want to see the bowlers go through a massive workload. I mean, you know, you don't want to see uh, you don't want to see Jimmy Anderson at the age of forty having to churn out forty-five overs in a game for Lancashire or whatever, you know, and then pull a hammy. A hammy on a cold old Trafford day and uh, be out for the season. No one wants to see that. But at the same time, you know, I think uh, it'd be nice to see the batsmen play a little bit more for the, their counties. Final question, Dan. And it comes from my friends at the Sports Weekly podcast. And they, is this is, I invite serious questions and more frivolous ones. And this is definitely down the latter route. Um, should they open an Italian restaurant called Ask Badger? Because there's apparently there's a chain of Italian restaurants called Ask Italian. And so that's where this comes in. I didn't know that, so I had to query it. Um, so if there's a, a chain of Italian restaurants called Ask Badger, um, what cricket-related food should they serve? Now, I've done a, I'll have done. i let you have a little bit of time to think about maybe an answer from you, but I've seen um, Mark Sanders come back with a, a good one, Ravi Shastrioli. I quite like that. There's, well, I, I've, yeah. I've, 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 I've come up with three myself. Uh, maybe one of them doesn't work, but spaghetti carbonara. Get, get, get that you one? You like it? Um, Mohamed Rizwan Otto. Risotto, nearly. Oh, um, like it. Marnus Labba Lasagna, nearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, not so great, not so great, but I'm still there. I'm trying, I'm there, trying. There, there was a guy called Chris Penn a few years ago, played for Kent, I think. Yeah, Penny And uh, he could be Chris Penne. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, the, 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 uh, the Italian restaurants, uh, Darren Goff, many years ago, uh, found uh, an all-bar one and actually saw it at some Italian place called Al Baroni. <laughs> Whereas uh, Glamorgan many years ago, and it's in Steve James's book, From Third Man to Fatty's Leg, and uh, Glamorgan stayed, they played um, Lancashire at Aithberth in Liverpool. Yeah. And they were all staying up there. And uh, one of the guys was in charge of sending a team out, and they um, they asked the sort of receptionist, oh, you know, do you think they saw somewhere different? And she said, oh, there's a place called Maisset Vous. Yeah, and they thought it was this like posh French restaurant. So they ended up getting dressed up. Anyway, it was a pub with a Mersey view. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up going there. So, uh, yeah, it's cr- cricket, cricket and food and drink don't always go very well together. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a great, great question. And, and long may we continue to have those sorts of questions on your show, Pat. I mean, t- to be honest, as a badger, um, as a real badger with fur on, as you can see on the on, you know, black and white with, with fur, it would be mice, rats, rabbits, frogs, toads the side salad of mealworms on, on, on a pizza wouldn't it because that's what badges eat but uh, thank you very much Sports <coughs> Weekly Podcast for your questions thank you everybody else for asking the hashtag ask badger questions as well for this edition of the uh, podcast and Dan Whiting thank you very much to you as well for joining me yeah great stuff always a pleasure to be on here mate always a pleasure it's that badger style Thanks again to Dan Whiting for joining me on this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Always good to hear from Dan. Graham Harcastle, who joined me through much of the summer, or for all of the summer really, to preview and review all of the various international stuff, wasn't available to come on today. So just a little bit of housekeeping to finish off our competition. And I'm sure Graham will listen to this with great glee. We both picked Stuart Broad to be the top England bowler for the Pakistan series at 12-5. to 5, So that kept us even. I'd had the draw in the second test match at 5-2. to 2. 
two, which got me plus 35 points. And Graham finished off on a high. He had Jimmy Anderson to be the top England bowler in the first innings in the third test match. So he had 10 of his units on that at 11 to 4, but it wasn't quite enough. His 32.5 that he got from that wasn't quite enough to overhaul me. I win the Pakistan series. Graham took the West Indies series. He took it by a slightly bigger margin, though, the West Indies series. So one apiece in terms of series, but I think Graham probably just takes the bragging rights overall. We'll be back with plenty of IPL action as well coming up. The IPL is a real favourite of mine in terms of a T20 franchise competition. I always watch it. I always write about it for various people. And if anybody else out there wants me to write for them, I'm more than happy to take more work on in this difficult COVID-19 year. But we'll be doing podcasts throughout the IPL as well. Daily podcasts with fans coming on and talking about the action out there. Probably slightly bite more bite-sized in terms of time. But uh, really looking forward to getting my teeth into the IPL, which starts obviously in the UAE in mid-September. We'll have a couple of editions of the regular podcast before we get to that as well. So you will be hearing from me very, very soon indeed. Thank you very much to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. And thank you to you for listening. As always, in your increasing numbers, it is much appreciated. It kept me sane during lockdown the cricket badger podcast and we've carried it on beyond obviously it's going to carry on going in the future as well so if you could leave it a nice comment on whatever platform you listen to it click the like button and subscribe to future editions that would be much appreciated because quality content is going to carry on coming on the cricket badger podcast and it is very very good indeed to have you listening and to have you with me follow on twitter at cricket underscore badger for all of my comments opinions and views as well so that takes us to the end of part two of this uh, extended cricket badger podcast this time around thank you again to dan for joining me i've been james and this has been the cricket badger podcast see you next time Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.